Lord, this is our prayer for this time. We pray, Lord, that by your grace and mercy we would all be able to turn our eyes upon Jesus. We pray, we pray Lord, that you would, Lord, enable us, even lead us by your Holy Spirit, to contemplate your glorious person. So we commit this time into your hands. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have given us. And even, Lord, for that promise that your Holy Spirit would lead us into all reality. So we turn to you, Lord, and ask in simplicity, would you do just that in this time? That by your Holy Spirit we may enter fully into the reality of what you are. We pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation as we read your word. We pray for that enlightenment of the eyes of our heart. Oh Lord, we pray for a time where you are in it, Lord, sovereignly, uh, uh, somehow imparting something of yourself in this time to each one of us. And we ask these things, and we do give you thanks in advance. Because we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. I would like to turn to the Gospel of John with you. And we want to read a couple of verses from that Gospel. Starting on chapter 6. Gospel of John, chapter 6. Let's read starting from verse 15. So Jesus perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and after getting into a boat, they started to cross the Sea of Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea began to be stirred up because of a strong wind was blowing. Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to, to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. So they were willing to receive him in the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. 第十六节到二十一节到了晚上他的门徒下海海边去到了船摇过海往加百农去天已黑了耶稣还没有来到他们那里忽然狂风大作海就翻腾起来门徒摇约行了十里多路看见耶稣在海面上走渐渐进了船
Let's read also the account of the same event given in the Gospel of Matthew. That is Matthew chapter 14. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he went, while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Jesus随即催门徒上船，先渡到那边去等。他叫众人散开，散散了众人众人以后。他就独自上山去祷告，到了晚上，只有他一人在那里。Verse twenty-four. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And it was the fourth watch of the night when he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and said, "It is a ghost," and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. <laughs> Verse 28 Peter said to him Lord, if it is you command me to come to you on the water and he said, come and Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus but seeing the wind he became frightened and beginning to sink he cried out Lord, save me Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. Chongsangsi and back to the Gospel of John, we want to read from the end of the Gospel. In chapter 20, the two last verses of chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 30. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples 
which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And if you would turn to the beginning of the gospel, in chapter 1, one more verse for this beginning. And that is verse 14. Speaking of our Lord Jesus, referred here as the Word. We read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. As probably most of you are very aware, we have been occupied in the last, I don't know how many months, actually. We have been occupied in this, with this matter of overcoming life. Actually, our theme verse, in case you forgot, has been Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. No, I didn't read that verse today. But what is in my heart is definitely connected with our theme. We would like to use this time to continue to meditate on this matter of overcoming life. Actually, I hope we all have noticed that in this sign that we read in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, we have a wonderful picture of what overcoming life is. And of course, that picture, that sign that we see in Gospel 6, is our Lord Jesus himself walking on the sea. Now, I don't know if you agree with me, but there you have certainly something unusual. Unheard of. And in that picture, I hope we can see something that speaks of overcoming life. We know from the accounts that we read that it was a stormy sea to make things a little more challenging. And here we see the Lord Jesus himself walking upon that water. As if in dry land, yet walking on the water. A symbol, a picture of overcoming life. 
That stormy sea under his feet. Nature itself, if you realize, the laws of nature, gravity, it says that you should sink, right? And yet here you have our Lord Jesus, the Lord of the universe, walking on that sea. When I look to this event, it strikes me as a wonderful picture of what is overcoming life. Now, there is something about the Gospel of John that I feel we always have to keep in mind to get into the message of, the, of, the, of that Gospel. There is no question that what we just read is a sign. Uh, and is I don't want to say miracle, but it's a, part of the sign is something miraculous happening in it. And certainly, this event is one of the signs that you find in the Gospel of John. We read the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And in those verses, John, in a very plain, direct, and wonderful way, he tells us what is the plan of his Gospel. You know, the Gospel of John is quite interesting because it's a Gospel that was written at the end of the first century. Way after all the other Gospels had already been written, John writes his Gospel. And when he writes his Gospel, he selects some events, some signs that he puts in the gospel. And in a very wonderful way he tells us that there is a reason why he is deciding to share these signs with us. And you remember, we just read the verses. He's saying, first of all, you know, this is not all that Jesus did. He did many, many other signs. But I have written this with one purpose. I had one objective to let you know of these eight signs, if you count them. Uh, that he records in his gospel. And he says, these signs are for you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, you may have life in his name. So immediately we see something that we really have to take notice. Those signs, as wonderful in themselves as they are, they are not something 
in themselves. He says, I've recorded these signs that you may believe in a person. Do you see the difference here? If you look at the signs, and all we see is something spectacular, and they certainly are spectacular, I'm not denying that. But if all we see is something spectacular, something miraculous, which they are. But if we stay at that level, we miss the point. Why did John, by the Holy Spirit, record these eight signs and gave them to us? They were given to us that we may see beyond the sign, the person itself that is doing the sign. But it doesn't stop there. We have to pay attention in the sequence, the exact sequence when when John explains the reason for the signs being given to us. And here is the sequence. Here is a paradox. The signs reveal a person. And the reason why this person, our Lord Jesus, is being revealed is for us to believe in Him. And it doesn't stop there. And believing in Him, you have life in His name. Do you see the whole sequence here? Signs revealing the person. As this person is revealed, we respond believing in him. And, and as we believe in him, we experience life in his name. Now, here is another thing we have to have, I think is very helpful that we keep in mind as we consider the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is a Gospel for the Church. Now, don't get me wrong, please. There are so many wonderful verses that can and should be used for gospel preaching in the Gospel of John. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not be hungry again. And so forth and so on. Yet, all these wonderful verses that sometimes we put a label on them. Oh, okay, this is a gospel verse. But you know what, brothers and sisters? The gospel of John is first and foremost a gospel for those that already have believed in the Lord Jesus. Yeah, 
or to use a verse from the Gospel of John itself that hopefully can explain this. In chapter 10, our Lord Jesus says, I came that they may have light and have it abundantly. See, once you believed in the Lord Jesus, you received His life, and thank the Lord for that. And however, the Gospel of John is given to us that we may not just have life, but experience that life abundantly. So that's the reason why we have all those wonderful signs in the Gospel of John. The sign reveals something about our Lord Jesus. Something that either He is or something that He does, and that something is for you and I to experience. Of course, today we are occupied in just one of these signs. We want to consider the sign in John chapter 6. There are two signs in John chapter 6 for that matter. But we would like to briefly consider the second sign. And here is the thing that I want to impress upon you. That wondrous sign of our Lord Jesus walking victorious upon the sea. That wonderful sign that shows everything under His feet. Our Lord overcoming even of nature. This sign is for you and for me to experience. I hope you can see. <laughs> I'm not suggesting, okay, you know, we are on the shore, by the way, here in Europe. So just go, you go ahead and practice walking on the water. I trust we all can see that there is something of a parable in each one of the signs of our Lord Jesus. For instance, we know that our Lord Jesus opened the eyes of a man that was born blind. Do you see the parable in this sign? Don't say, well, I, I wasn't born blind, so, you know, physically, so that's not for me. Something wonderful that this science reveal is that what the Lord Jesus did physically, literally, in the bodies of those persons, He is to do today in you and me, in our souls, in our spirits. So each one of these signs, there is a bit of a parable in them. Uh, please don't misunderstand me. These were literal acts that happened historically, literally, 
no question about that. I'm not trying to say otherwise. But the final meaning of these acts that our Lord Jesus performs, it's only final when it's applied to our souls, to our spiritual lives. So when our Lord Jesus is walking on the sea, don't forget, according to John himself that recorded it, this is for you to see the person and for you and me to believe in that person and for you and me to have life more abundant in that person. So back to the parable aspect. I hope we all see that if you consider what we are by nature, you see a lot of limitation on what we are by nature. See, by nature, Jesus should have sunk. That's what, that's what the, the law of gravity in nature determines. And by nature, Peter, who somehow took a part in that sign, as we see in Matthew, he also should have sunk. By what we are, what we are by nature, is full of limitations. It's full of laws that determine things that are anything but overcoming. Let me give you a couple, an example or two. So this is not too uh, abstract. See, if you think on what you are by nature, or what we are by nature, each one of us is born in a certain way. And some of us, for instance, are born with a temper. And that temper is a law in your nature. You may try to suppress it, to count to ten, to, to do anything, but you know that that temper, that temper is going to get you sooner or later. Or some of us have the tendency of self-righteousness. We are always looking at others, you know, with the measuring rod and say, this is wrong, this is right. We all have the tendency, and in some of us, maybe stronger than others, is what we are by nature. In some of us, there is pride. And whatever it is that is your constitution by nature, there is a kind of law behind that. And that law can be compared to the law of gravity. 
that is always pulling you down. By what you are by nature, you should sink. And yet, isn't it wonderful that here we have a vision of the Son of God? He is on the water. But is he in any way under that water? He's walking on it. To me, that, speak, that speaks of victory, even over what we are by nature. And my, what I'm going to beat, hopefully in a good way, over and over is this. This is for you and for me. That sign is not just for us to look and say, Oh, how wonderful. I have nothing to do with that. I am the opposite. I sink. I know I am the opposite and I would sink. But when John recorded this, brothers and sisters, it's for you and me to believe in that person and to experience what that person is in us. So, of course, the million dollar question is how can we experience what that wonderful person is in our own experience? How can I have that victorious life that walks over the sea? It's very simple. Here's the principle. You cannot. There is no way for you. There is no way for me. Not in a million years. You know it. I know it. It's something completely outside your reach, your capability. You know that you cannot walk on the sea. Think on Peter for a second. Do you think that Peter, when he stepped out of that boat, for a second he thought, wow, yeah, now I, you know, something got strengthening me. I, I, I have a new capability. I'll do it. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, let me put it this way. Overcoming life is an exclusive prerogative of our Lord Jesus. Let me put it in a simpler way. He is the only one that has such life that overcomes. He is the one that has that life that wins. Do you remember the vision that was given to our brother John in, the, in Revelation chapter 5? He sees God with a scroll in his hand and there is a proclamation who is worthy to take the scroll to open it? Was anyone found worthy? 
配得吗 ？You know that in the whole universe, no one could ever even look to it. 你知道在整个宇宙里面，没有人能够看。But there was one. 但是有一位。And what was sad about that one is this: the Lamb, He overcame. 那这个人，那他就是那羔羊，他胜过他了。Do you see that to walk on the water is our Lord's Jesus' exclusive prerogative, right, power? 那看到这个行走在水上是我们的主，他独特的这个能力只有他一个人，就他这位是有这个能力如此的。He is the overcomer. 他是那得胜者。In ourselves. By nature, we are all defeated. 凭着自己，我们的天然，我们已经被，我们已经失败了。I I really remember, and I appreciate so much what our once our brother Lance he tried to explain this word overcomer based on English. 那有一次，我们的兰佩的弟兄想要解释这个得胜。And I was tremendous, tremendously helped by that simple definition. Our brother reminded us that to overcome, if you just break the word in English, is very simple. That our brother told us that to overcome, if we just break the word in English, is very simple. To overcome means that you come over. It doesn't matter what is thrown at you; you come over that. And when our Lord Jesus, by nature, by the laws of gravity, he should be under that water. But he came over. Oh, the life that wins. But let me put it differently. It's his life that wins, none other. But you see the parable. Let's go back to that. We all have something that, by nature, may be our Our weak point, or usually, is a collection of weak points, and usually, is not very small. That, 通常我们凭着我们的天然的本性里面，我们有一些弱点，或许不只是一个弱点，那是一组的弱点。And there is a law that bounds you to that, and you cannot by yourself come over. 那有一种律会把你绑住，那你没有办法凭着自己能够胜过它。Let me give you an example from scriptures about that. And hopefully we can see. I'm trying to emphasize the first principle of overcoming, which is you cannot and I cannot. I want to explain is we, is the second principle is we cannot overcome. In the realm of what we are by nature, there is no overcoming in a million years. Just in our nature, in our nature, there is no overcoming. Let's try to illustrate that. Do you remember Romans chapter seven? Romans chapter seven is perhaps the most elaborate, exhaustive enunciation of that principle that you, in what you are, 
can never overcome. 那约翰福音第罗马书第七章是很清楚的告诉我们说，就是你凭着自己你是没有办法得胜。So let's give a very quick context to Romans over chapter seven. 所以我们就很快的看一下罗马书第七章的上下文。We know that was written by the apostle Paul. 那我们知道是使徒保罗所写的。Who is the apostle Paul? 那使徒保罗究竟是谁呢 ？You know, by any account, and it's not just from believers, even unbelievers. They'll tell you that probably if you put together the, test, the ten more brilliant minds in history, Paul should be there. 那你说讲到历史历史历代这些圣徒里面，就是他们聪他们的啊智慧的话，说他们的聪明他们智商的话，那这个保罗是在前面几位。A brilliant man. 是非常呃聪明的，非常优秀的一个人。A rabbi by training. 那他是一个拉比。He knows the word of God. So well, and we know that his zeal. Oh boy! Before he met the Lord Jesus, his zeal was to the point of persecuting to death those that he regarded as being going against God. But then we know that Paul was wonderfully saved by the Lord. 但是我们知道，很奇妙的保罗就呃，主就拯救了保罗。He was arrested, captivated by the Lord Jesus. 那他被主耶稣所抓住。The persecutor of the church became one that started pursuing after the Lord Jesus. 那这位逼迫教会的变成开始追求主耶稣的一个人。But when he wrote Romans chapter seven. Paul had、uh, probably something in the vicinity of twenty years or more of Christian life. 那他写罗马书第七章的时候，他大概有二十几年的这个已经信主已经二十几年了。And you know, we are not going to read it because of time. But if, 因着时间的缘故，我们不会读下去。But if you remember what Romans seven speaks about. 但是如果你记得罗马书第七章所提到的话 ，All you see there. Is limitation. That you 看到这边都是一切的限制 Paul is describing in Romans seven not the experience of the past before he met the Lord, but if you know it as well, all the tenses in Romans seven are present today. That you 看到他在第七章所使用的不是过去所发生的事情来，都是他的词都是现在式的 In Romans seven, this man that became a pursuer of the Lord Jesus, that served the Lord Jesus with all his heart, he shares with us his present experience in himself. Ah, in seven, he shares with us his present experience in himself. Ah, in seven, he shares with us his present experience in himself. There dwells. Not it didn't dwell. No, no, it doesn't dwell today. No good whatsoever. I desire to do the will of God, but I cannot. The good that I will to do, I do not do, and the evil that I don't want to do, I do. What do you see here? Someone walking on the water, or maybe twenty feet under water. 那你看到是一个在水面上行走的，还是在水面下二十尺的一个人呢 ？Brothers and sisters, 
we have to understand why we have Romans chapter 7. And that was the experience of Paul, the present experience of Paul, as far as he is in himself by nature. If you read Romans 7, there is a word that occurs, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the stats, but I'm pretty sure that is at least 20 times. And what is that word? I. I want, I am trying, I'm doing this in me, me, I, I, I. And what Paul discovers in that chapter that is in the realm of what he is by nature. Even that day, 20 years after being a Christian, there is still absolutely no good, nothing good. There is a law, even like the law of gravity, that will make you sink if you try to walk by yourself on the water. There is a law that operates in Paul that pulls him down to earth. Later in Romans 8, he gives a name to that law. The law of sin and death. And in I, in me, in myself, that law, that's it, there is no way to change it. At the end of chapter 7, we all, or most of us, I feel, are familiar with that cry of despair. Oh, wretched man, I am. Who will deliver me from this, the body of this death? But in chapter 8, brothers and sisters of Romans, so it's like the two chapters are side by side, of course, by the Holy Spirit, to show us a contrast. What do you see in Romans chapter 8? Therefore, now there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, Brother Ni, he has, one time he explained something on Romans 8 that is very, very helpful to me. He says that in Greek, that word condemnation has two different meanings. The word condemnation could be used in a very judicial sense. In other words, if you go to court, you can either be absolved or condemned. But there is a second meaning that was in, in classical Greek or in day-to-day -day Greek that that word condemnation had. Condemnation could also mean lack of strength. And of course, if you consider the context, that second meaning 
has to definitely be the meaning that is being used when he says, therefore now there is no more lack of strength for those who are in Christ Jesus. What is chapter 7? But just a terrible cry that I have no strength. I cannot do it. I try, try, try. No hope in me. If chapter 7 of Romans speaks of what we are in ourselves, chapter 8 speaks of a life in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Or if we were to use the, the, the imagery from our sign that we are considering, chapter 7 shows us someone underwater. Chapter 8 of Romans shows you someone walking with the Lord over the sea. But what are the two principles that we have to keep in mind? First and foremost, in yourself, in myself, no way whatsoever. In ourselves, we are just in Romans chapter 7. But once we realize, once we enter by inexperience in that life in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit, oh boy, what a change! It's so interesting because in Romans chapter eight, suddenly all the I, me, myself. Mysteriously is gone. And all we see is the man in Christ living by the Holy Spirit. That law that was always pulling him down, that law of spiritual gravity that made Paul think, completely gone. A new law. Exchange, replace the old law. Did you notice that in Romans 8? The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. I hope this is making any sense to you in the context of the sign that we are trying to examine together? How can you walk on the water with our Lord Jesus? Never by yourself. This is possible in Him and in Him alone. There is a very practical key to this matter of walking with the Lord in an overcoming life that I feel the sign presents to us. And I'm referring to Peter's experience in that same sign as recorded in Matthew. 
See, I, I hope that Peter walking on that water is a final proof, if you have any doubt, that this sign is for you and I to experience. As so often in Scripture, Peter is just like a representative that is there. And this sign is no exception. His walking on that water with the Lord Jesus is like an example that shows us that we are supposed to share in that experience. Now, what is this practical, crucial element that you see in Peter's experience that made the whole difference in, in his walking or sinking? Well, brothers and sisters, I think when we read the, the version in Matthew, it's very, very obvious what is that element. We know that Peter got off that boat and we know that he walked on that water towards the Lord Jesus. What did he do that enabled him to walk in the Lord? Well, you know, it's that little word that we should be very familiar with, which is faith. He took the Lord at His word. All that he is like to use the hymn or the chorus that we sing so often. When you have faith in the Lord, you focus in Him, you forget about yourself, you just concentrate on Him. But this faith is somehow like illustrated in a very practical way to me in the story. This faith that Peter had in the Lord was operative because he was looking unto the Lord Jesus. Did you realize that the story makes that unmistakably clear? When the Lord Jesus calls Peter, he gets off the boat and he's heading towards the Lord Jesus. Of course, when you're walking towards someone, it's very hard to walk towards someone looking to the other side. You know, it doesn't happen. <laughs> when we walk in a direction, our faces and our sight is set in that direction. How was Peter, in a very practical way, how was he able to walk on that water? It's not himself, of course, but he's looking to the one that has the power, the ability that can make you share on what he alone is able to do. Peter turned his eyes on the Lord Jesus. And in that, in that 
symbolic gesture of what faith is, he was able to walk on that stormy sea. Now it's quite interesting in the account in Matthew. Because you, you remember that as soon as the Lord as soon as Peter is walking towards the Lord, something happens in the midst of that experience. And in my translation it says verse thirty, but seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Do you see that word there? But seeing, but looking. While Peter had his eyes on the Lord Jesus, that is faith. And he experienced what the Lord is. He experienced that victorious life that only the Lord has. But when his eyes look elsewhere, the wind, the danger, the wave, whatever it is, looking elsewhere, the nature of what he is in himself kicks in. Can we see here what is the secret of that overcoming life? We have nothing to boast because there is nothing in us that would make that overcoming life possible. Our Lord Jesus is the only one that has such overcoming life. And as we look to Him, as our eyes are turned off anything else unto Him, we experience what He is. You see that going back to John's explanation of why he gave us the gospel, you see that that's exactly what he's saying, but except of using looking, he's using faith. Look is like a symbol, faith is like the reality. To look at the Lord is like a picture. But faith is the reality of what that picture is. Back to the plan of the gospel. A sign, the signs are given to us. That we may see the person. And when we believe in the person, we have life in his name. I want to say one more thing to close this time. This looking unto the Lord Jesus has never the sense of a casual glance, you know, or uh, a peek to him. No. No. 
this looking to Jesus has more the meaning of a contemplation of this person. An intent gaze on what he is. In being absorbed on what he is. And when that type of looking to him, when that type of believing or faith is there, guess what? There is a transaction. What he is becomes now your own experience. I feel that word see, look, contemplate is a key word in this wonderful Gospel of John. It's a wonderful, profitable spiritual study to pursue that word to see, to behold in this Gospel. We don't have the time to do it right now. But I want to point to you to the opening now of the Gospel. At the very beginning, John tells us, yes, the Word became flesh. And we beheld His glory. We contemplated our Lord. And what we saw was someone full of truth and grace. See, you don't have there the idea of a quick glance or a peek. No, no, no. It's being absorbed in that contemplation. That, brothers and sisters, is what leads to faith according to Scripture. When you look to the Lord in that way, that is like the equivalent of believing in Him according to the notion that you find in the Word of God. And in that beholding of the Lord, there is something that I, I wish I had better words to explain. But some sort of spiritual transaction will happen when we behold the Lord Jesus. Even Peter, when he got off that boat and was fixed on the Lord Jesus, concentrated on Him, some spiritual transaction happened right there. I think you would agree with me. Peter experienced what only the Lord can do, which is walk victoriously over that water. But by virtue of simply trusting the Lord, looking unto Him, believing in Him, somehow Peter is sharing that nature. It's sharing in that overcoming life. 
I would like to close with another verse in 2 Corinthians that I feel explains a little bit of this faith that I'm trying to talk about here that implies contemplating the Lord and having this transaction with Him. You turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The last verse of the chapter, verse 18. <coughs> but we all, with unveiled face, beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. This is the idea, brothers and sisters. A beholding of Him, a contemplation of Him, that is actually leads to a transaction with Him. By that beholding, by being completely fixed in Him, we experience what He is. There is an impartation of that wonderful life. Even that overcoming life, it will be imparted in you and in me in a special way. By beholding, we are conformed to that image. The key to an overcoming life. Let's have two or three prayers as the Lord leads to close this time.